0: Welcome to the Under Eight Podcast, a three times per week college basketball show brought to you in under eight minutes. That's the time for recording. It is Tuesday, February twenty seventh, ten eighteen p.m. My name is Josh Monix On today's pod, Reed Shepard is that dude. Uh, Kansas does something it does not do very often, which is lose at home to an unranked opponent in Big Twelve play and an ACC matchup with bubble implications. It's all right now on the Under Eight Podcast. Josh Doring here with me, Kentucky, ninety one, Mississippi State, eighty nine. Josh, there's plenty to talk about, plenty of really impressive individual individual performances but um hard to start anywhere well not as hard as you might think but pretty hard to start anywhere else other than reed Shepard and his 32 points on 11 of 14 shooting. i was gonna say
1: there's another guy that's making an argument
0: now yeah but when one guy was 11 of 14 and the other guy's 11 of 24 i gotta go with one guy over the other
1: and when the other one hit the game winner so that his team won that kind of helps too yeah that doesn't hurt. yeah yeah reed shepherd was unreal and the other thing too is Reed Shepard was making an impact on both ends of the floor. Most Same certainly. camp. Josh Hubbard not quite so much on the defensive end. Now, <laughs> he he made shot after shot. He kept Mississippi State in this game when it looked like Kentucky might run away with it. He was uh, and I mentioned this before every when we talk about Mississippi State, he is quietly one of the best freshmen in the country that's not getting any attention. He's mm. Outstanding. But this was really about Reed Shepard. I absolutely love his game. This was the epitome of it, right? Defensively blocking shots, steals, passing. And of course, he shoots the lights out. He can score, getting to the basket. I mean, he had what? A bad moment, at least a one, only one significant bad moment, which was the pass at the end that he threw for reasons nobody seems to understand. Probably him, too, once he goes back and looks at it on film. But that was it. Other than that, it was practically flawless. Hmm. It was, and you know, in a game where they get bullied inside. Rob Dillingham is nowhere to be found for a large portion of the game, and then he does kind of get going and helps kickstart this, this run to give Kentucky the lead. But, yeah, this was Reed Shepard and then everybody else. He was incredible.
0: Yeah, it's a it was another good game for Antonio Reeves. He was really good in Kentucky's win over Alabama over the weekend. So, and he's really been excellent for the last four or five games or so. Um his game log the last four games looks like 22, 25, 24 and 21 and that's um with wins over Auburn, Alabama and Mississippi State in that stretch and mm-hmm. a road lost LSU by one. So, I think part of Listen, Kentucky. However, however far they go, it's going to be based on their their offense. Um, and Antonio Reeves is him playing well. Him scoring efficiently is is a really big part of that, and he's been doing that uh, at a pretty high clip the last couple of weeks or so.
1: Can we address the big picture here for a second? Sure. Yeah, I mean, we we had a conversation on the broadcast about how apparently people feel that this Kentucky team is last year's UConn. where they're going to put it all together at the end. Now, they're playing good basketball right
0: now. That's also not what happened to UConn. UConn put it all together at the beginning and then had this lull in the middle and then then returned to what we had.
1: Yeah. Exactly. That is the difference. I
0: I was unaware that Kentucky was considered pretty much hands down the best team in the country at one point earlier this season, which is basically where we got with UConn.
1: And had a number one to their name.
0: Yes. Not to mention that. That's where I went. Did they, oh. did they early in the season? I'm
1: not totally sure they ever point. did. Okay, maybe maybe they – I feel like at some point. Because didn't Purdue lose?
0: Yeah, but like in the same week that UConn did. UConn did? Or there okay. was another team. Or there was like a Kansas up there that actually was number one the week that Purdue lost. But Purdue didn't lose until after
1: the new year. Right, right, right. Okay, maybe they were number one. Maybe not. I don't, don't but for some
0: reason, I remember looking and being surprised that UConn last year didn't get to number one in the country early in the season. I'm going to look because I'm curious, but I'll let you know. Keep the point. The point is the same UConn was rolling Mm -hmm. and
1: then lost that and regained it.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: There was nothing regained here. This is Kentucky getting better, which was going to happen
0: with a younger team. They didn't, they, they did not. They oh. got to they were second in the December nineteenth and December twenty-sixth polls. Okay. And then they lost right before the new year uh and dropped to four ah. and then dropped all the way to twenty-four by the end of January, which is crazy. So Ended really up tenth was, in the final eight people. It's just Purdue's fault, really. Pretty much.
1: So that's one. Uh two. That Yukon team was much better defensively. Yes. Which is the other part of this. Kentucky was not good defensively in this game. Generally speaking, they were bad. Now, their offense was good enough, and Reed Shepard was good enough that they won. It does nothing to increase my confidence in this team in March. To me, this is becoming very simple about where I stand on this. They don't have good enough defense to win a national championship. However, if I'm a one seed, and I see them in that 4-5 matchup, I am very disappointed because I want no part of these guys because their ceiling is incredibly high. On any given day, they can go. And Mississippi State's a very good defensive team. They scored 91 without even having a generally good game from their entire team.
0: 56 in the second half.
1: Yeah. 56. They can go beat anybody. It's not a question. And obviously, they're one of the most talented teams in the country just from a pure physical and just evaluation, right? Recruiting and all that. They're very, very talented. But to me, that's what they are. They can go take down anybody, but I cannot trust this team to do this for six straight games. And you've been pointing this out that we haven't seen it for six straight games this season. And this win doesn't change any of that for me.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I I'm, I'm right there with you. I'm firmly planted into a camp with Kentucky that I will stay in until they win the national championship and we'll be happy with, and we'll be happy with being wrong, but I'm right there with you until they do it. um, I, I won't believe that anybody, not just Kentucky, but anybody can win a championship with, with that kind of defense. Right. Um,
1: Go ahead. Yeah. It's not specific to them. It's just the formula to win a national championship is not a formula they have. Right. Bottom line.
0: Big 12. Dude, Kansas winning by six inside their own building, Fog Allen, winning by six against BYU, seven and seven in conference, 19 and eight overall. And they get outscored by 14 in the final 20 minutes, 47 33 in that second frame. The Cougars get a big time W for themselves. And here's Kansas doing something again. We can add it to the list of things that. Kansas doesn't do and that's one not lose inside fog allen they won 17 in a row in that building that was like the third longest I think it was 19 something like that 17 yeah. 19 um they had won 71 in a row yep. at home when leading at halftime both of those streaks came to an end tonight against BYU um i mean I feel like we've been playing the same drum with Kansas over and over and over again that they desperately just need a little bit more offensively, it seems like always. And when their their big three guys um aren't scoring, and then you add the fact that there's no Kevin McCullough in this game, um, you're you're vulnerable. And I I, I would say that's I I I I guess this is surprising. It's less surprising than it would be in other years.
1: Definitely. For me.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: That's the biggest part of this is that, yeah, nobody carried the scoring load. guys scored the bench actually produced a little bit,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but nobody took it upon themselves to compensate for the fact that you don't have Kevin McCuller. And then Hunter Dickinson went and missed a bunch of free throws in a row KJ Adams just isn't that guy.
0: Six of 15 from the free throw line. Yeah. Six of 15.
1: Yeah. That's a problem. Johnny Furphy had a really bad shooting night. That's a problem. There was just, there was not anybody. <laughs> and yeah. BYU's got their balanced attack. The bench was fantastic with Robinson and Triore. So the, the bigger part of this for me, moving forward because it's not too difficult to figure out why this happened or how it happened. Assuming that Kevin McCullough isn't coming back and, and Bill Self said it's a week to week situation from what I read. So it's not like he's knocking on the door of he might play any game here. It almost sounds like he might just be shut down for at least the end of the regular season. And maybe even until the NCAA tournament to hopefully get him healthy when it matters most, assuming he's not there for a little bit. Who makes threes on this team if Johnny Furphy doesn't? Nobody. And I'm of course two different players. I mean, players. Nick
0: Timberlake was supposed to be the answer to right. that question,
1: and he missed what two threes in a row when they were down six at the end. Now he did hit one. There and there were two that got made right after I read this. I was thinking about this and wrote this down in our rundown as one of the points I wanted to bring up. But
0: before they went three, they went three, they went three of fifteen yeah. from the three point line. I'm yeah. not sure that your, I'm not sure that your point is moot. No,
1: definitely not. That's a, <laughs> when you're trying to feed one of the best bigs in the country, and when your point guard needs to have some space to make things happen, and your other key scorer doesn't shoot, that's a problem. That's also why Kevin McCullough is so important. Not only defensively, not only because he's one of your best players, but because he spreads the floor. And so now you have him on one side and Furphy on the other, and it looks and feels completely different because you have to guard him differently. That was really the only big thing I had coming out of this game. We've talked about this over and over again. I also made a note that Mark Pope, you can't get teed up when your team is down two inside Bog gallon but apparently you can so i was wrong on that
0: <laughs> mm. yeah I, I i'm completely uninspired by kansas completely uninspired and you know if i mean kevin McCullough is healthy when it when you know comes thursday after selection sunday then i suppose with with the top end talent that bill self has that like you can't totally write them off but um I just I it just they it hasn't passed the eye test for me. No, for most of the season and and you know, I think you know, somehow they've managed mostly because it's the Big 12 to stay inside the top 10 of the AP poll pretty much all season. Um but it hasn't it hasn't communicated for me.
1: No, and good for BYU. That's a really important resume boosting win in terms of making sure you don't get yourself closer to the bubble. And in terms of being able to separate yourselves from some other teams, once you get into the, we'll just say six seed conversation, for example, Mm -hmm. right. When you're trying to figure out all the six seeds, the seven seeds, if they finish the season really strong, maybe a five seed, depending on how things go, when you're trying to just, you know, figure out and sort all these teams out that have very similar resumes. Having something like that that nobody else has is quite helpful. And they hadn't really – I mean, of course, they've got a lot of good wins because they're playing in the Big 12 and they're a good basketball team. But they haven't – I mean, nobody's got one like this in the Big Mm -hmm. 12. So that's that's a a very, very important, very beneficial win, which probably didn't need to be said, but wanted to bring it up and put it in terms of bracketology anyway.
0: Quickly – Last but not least, 69, Clemson 69, Pitt 62, an important NCAA tournament game. Uh, It's an important game with NCAA tournament uh, ramifications. And uh, Clemson on the back of four different scores in their starting lineup, reaching double figures. And even on a night where P.J. Hall is 3 of 10 from the field, uh, they get enough from the supporting cast. Uh, the backcourt was really good, really efficient. Ian Shefflin, 15 and 12. They get enough to uh, beat uh, Jeff Capel and the Pitt Panthers.
1: It looked like for a little bit there that Pitt might actually do this. And that was why we picked this game's one to talk about is all of a sudden they're right there in that bubble conversation if they get this win. They had really started to got to get things going and at least played themselves back into the conversation and given themselves an opportunity then they had this game, and you've got an early lead. Things are looking pretty good. Then Clemson scores 42 points in the second half, and then it's not particularly close at the end. And the it did kind of, if you look at the, the balance of the game, it did look like it was always going to go this way
0: mm-hmm.
1: once Clemson stopped turning the ball over. Because that's where Pitt had their big advantage was that they took care of the ball and Clemson didn't, particularly in the first half. Because Clemson won the three-point line. Clemson won the paint. They generally did (laughs) the important things better outside of taking care of the basketball. And so over time, once they cleaned it up a little bit, got a little bit more efficient, you had all these guys contributing, started knocking down some threes. That was kind of that for Pitt. Valiant effort though. I mean they, they gave themselves an opportunity and yeah, just didn't have enough at the end of the day. And it was it was Clemson's game pretty much for most of the second half once the tide started to turn. Yep.
0: 42 31 the edge in the second half. Uh important win for Clemson. You needed to not drop that one um to pit at home this late in the season. Josh, anything else from the evening? Should
1: should acknowledge what R.J. Davis did.
0: Sure. I guess suppose the last two days, whatever you're feeling.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that was the most points scored in that building. If I've got that correct. He 42, he's been fantastic. Most of the season and has not, not only has he not taken a step back without Caleb love, but he has really, really, I feel like his his season is validation of a subtract addition by subtraction with Caleb Love. Just because the pieces fit so much better and he is having a great, great year and obviously had a phenomenal game that North okay, Carolina needed all those points to make sure they didn't lose that one.
0: Yeah, I think you know Unless something goes awry, Zach is probably going to win National Player of the Year again. And he won National Player of the Year last year. And there's a list of players that we need to remember what they did the last couple seasons because so much of it individually is going to be about Zach E D and how dominant he was for two straight years. Um, and as a result, how dominant Purdue was, ultimately, for two straight years. Um RJ Davis, we need to not forget about what RJ Davis did this year because it's been, so, it's been some of the most spectacular basketball that has been played anywhere in the country this entire season. And you know whether it's you know, whether it's Trace Jackson Davis from last year who played for an Indiana team that was ultimately a little disappointing. Um, or, you know, even if it, you know, if RJ Davis and UNC have a semi early exit in the NCAA tournament, he's uh he's he's been really, really special. And of course forty two is a is a crazy number to put up, but these these two years individually are going to be about Zach E. D, but there are some some performances throughout the duration of a season that need to be um remembered alongside of it and RJ Davis is definitely one of them. Yep.
1: Yeah, usually that's probably enough to get you a Natty boy. Unfortunately, yep. he picked the wrong year to do this.
0: Yeah, Yep. exactly. Exactly. Anything else, Josh? That's all I've got. That's all I've got as well. Tuesday, February 27th, I'll do it for the Under 8 Podcast. Uh, we'll be back on Thursday to discuss whatever happened over the next 48 hours. Set up a, uh, what will be an important weekend in the sport for sure until then thank you so much for being here be sure to subscribe to the under eight pod on twitter follow the under eight pod on twitter subscribe on youtube and subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to your shows thank you so much for being here we will see you on thursday